Ben Ridges podcast series, The Business of Skin. This episode is brought to you by Exceed Medical Microneedling, distributed by us here at Dermoesthetics. Exceed is German engineered made. The device is double FDA approved as a class two medical device. TGA listed as a class 2B medical device here in Australia. MedSafe listed in New Zealand and is CE and ISO certified. All the certifications you should expect and should have with any microneedling device. For the month of February, we have a special opening offer, which you can find on our website at dermavigils.com.au backslash exceed. We have also provided links in this episode's show note. Well, today we are excited to have Leah back um, on this show with us. You might remember Leah from our past episode, Naturally Skin, where we discussed internal supplements spotlighting the EFAs or essential fatty acids. For those of you who don't know Leah, she's been a leader in our industry for over 18 years. Leah's passion for skin and working with skin conditions began while she owned her own clinic alongside naturopaths to get to the bottom of skin imbalances. Using a combination of nutritional support, professional treatments, and home care to create healthy, vibrant, and balanced skin. The results that Leah um, led her, these results that she achieved, led Leah to undertake um, studies in naturopathic nutrition and stepping away from her business to concentrate on industry education, where she has since launched her own very, very successful business, Skin Education International. Recently becoming a mum to a beautiful boy, Sunny, Leah is now enjoying maternity leave alongside running her skin education business online. We are blessed to have Leah with us today, sharing her knowledge with us. And I just want to say a big thank you to my friend for taking time out with all that you have going on with us today. As we know, being a new mum can be and is so demanding. Welcome, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back on having an adult conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I totally understand that when you know <laughs> and be um, uh, mind numbing. Yes, yeah. and beautiful, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I could talk to you about so many topics and I hope we do in the future get to talk about more things um, because your breadth and depth of knowledge is massive. However, today we are going to focus on collagen induction therapy, also mm-hmm. known as skin needling. Now, your experience with CIT spans over a decade. I would almost mm-hmm. be pushed to say coming into two decades and over over many devices hey. from <laughs> three decades. Three, coming into three decades. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, nobody can see his Leah's face. And if you have seen you, you wouldn't think she's coming on food It's all the needling. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so let's coming up to three decades of working with Claudia. <laughs> That is why we have Leah here. Who else could we be talking to apart from some of the doctors that have pioneered this um, that know so much? Now, this um, knowledge and breadth of knowledge has expanded over home rolling and automated devices. She's worked with multiple devices, trained with a few, but now only uses Exceed medical microneedling device, as I said earlier, distributed by us here at Dermoesthetics. Later in our podcast, I am sure we are going to touch on why this is her device of choice. So Leah, we're going to talk about what is skin needling and how did it all begin and how did this treatment make its way from medical into the aesthetics industry? So there's three mm-hmm. questions there and all yeah. 
Let's have a chat. (laughs) Okay, so I think, yeah, it's good to start at the beginning and I guess understand how this came about. So initially we looked at, I guess, poking needles into the skin to create a result. Um, We were looking at treating scarring, so primarily burn scarring because they tend to be a type of scarring called contracture scarring, which is where the skin essentially shrinks and thickens. It's really uncomfortable. It's very debilitating because you don't, you lose movement in an area. Um, so they were looking at ways to soften that tissue to regain some normality for the people that were suffering with it. So initially the thought process behind needling was the more trauma we create, we get a bigger healing response and we get a better result because the whole principle behind needling is to use the body's natural healing processes in a way that we get a better quality skin afterwards. So it was initially actually um, created by someone called Dr. Des Fernandez, who's a plastic surgeon and a very smart man in the world of skin. And he was working in a clinical setting with roller devices. So this is back quite a while ago. And the roller devices that they were using had needles of about three millimetres long, which for anyone who's worked with rollers, that is really, really, really long. And what they thought they needed to do was create as much trauma as possible. So the patient would be brought into a a surgery setting placed under a general anaesthetic and they would roll with these three millimetre rollers until the skin started to bruise. So until they saw that black and blue colour coming through, which is pretty full on, Um, then they would spend a couple of days in hospital recovering from that. And I guess the reason why they stuck with it is that they were getting some pretty amazing, exciting results, which is great. There was also another um, budding plastic surgeon at the time who was involved in this, I guess, exploration. And he started to ask questions around, okay, what would happen if we worked with lower um, needle lengths? So he was interested in studying around about a one millimeter length of needle on the rollers. And what they started to find is that they were getting even better results with causing less trauma. So this was kind of, I guess, a really important piece of the skin needling puzzle because what they started to learn was that it's not a case of more trauma, bigger healing response, better results. It's a case of, yes, we need to create what I call an end point, but we need to create that endpoint with the least amount of trauma possible because the more trauma we create, the I guess the more we're taking away from the skin and the body's ability to heal because it's got all of these other things to fix. So it's kind of the key to being really effective with needling is walking this fine line and knowing what this fine line is between too much trauma and not enough trauma. So that's what we need to concentrate on. Um, And I guess where it came into the aesthetic space was when we started working with those lower depths and especially when we started to transition into using the more pen devices, which are what we call vertical needling, it allowed us to treat without using anaesthetic, et cetera, which opened it up into our hands because obviously we can't be giving our patients general anaesthetic to cope with the procedure. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. So normally, I guess it definitely started in our industry with rollers, but there were a lot of limitations with what we could achieve. Um, And we were having to still use a topical local anaesthetic cream, which 
we might touch on a little bit later why that's not ideal. Um, but, yeah, I guess now working into the space, working with vertical needling, there's no need for anaesthetic cream and we're getting far superior results than we've ever been able to achieve before, which is super exciting. It is. And you just touched very slightly then on topical anaesthetic creams, which we found in our industry over the years, that when you're needling into the dermis, um, the use, the need for topical anaesthetic is much, very much needed. Um, but every state has its own bylaws and it's really uh, became really difficult um, as a trainer, as you would you would know, um, to be able to sit down and say everyone can have it. Well, that's not the case. It depends on the state, the council and, and what the insurance is, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the most of the anaesthetic, well, all of the anaesthetic creams, even the lower percentage ones are a pharmacy only medication. So we cannot supply or apply them for our clients and still be working within the realms of the law. Um, if it's an over a 10% formulation, then it actually needs to be prescribed by a doctor and then filled by a pharmacist. So, of course, once again, there are options that we don't have. But there's huge, there's reasons for that. <laughs> like, for example, I'm anaphylactic allergic to topical local anaesthetics, so I run into trouble very quickly if it's applied to me. But not everybody knows that. So, yeah, it is a bit of an icky area to dive into. But the reality is if you're needling properly with a correct device, there's no need for anaesthetic cream. I have never, ever in my whole career performed a treatment with anaesthetic using a vertical needling device. With a roller, I have for sure, but a vertical needling device, I can handle my heart so that it's not necessary. <laughs> I've never had a client say, stop, that's too painful. I need to end this treatment. Yeah, you just touched very, very, the, um, I think probably lightly. Are we talking about anesthetic cream? So let's just keep going. Yeah, um, um, you and I chatting, we never know where we're going to go. And I think that's the beautiful thing about um, <laughs> us talking to one another. Um, so we're talking about the anesthetic cream and you said, oh, I get into trouble very, very quickly. I think that is really light. I'd love you to um, explain about anaphylactis and how um, dangerous that actually is. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have um, what's called a true anaphylaxis, which basically means I stop breathing and my heart stops. So it gets exciting real fast. And the only way you normally find out about that allergy is by it happening. So it happened to me the first time in a dentist's chair, <laughs> having a filling put in. Um, and yeah, I gave the dentist the fright of his life, but they've had training to know how to cope with that. Whereas I would say a typical skin clinic may or may not have had training to know what that looks like. Um, and a lot of the symptoms of this, I guess, occurring early, <laughs> um, you know, like heart racing, etc. they could just be put down as being nervous from about to be having skin needling treatment. So someone might be telling you, oh, my heart's feeling really racy. And you might be just thinking in your head, oh, yeah, that's normal. She's just nervous, whereas you should be really paying attention. Um, so I think, yeah, as I said, there's a reason why a pharmacist is giving out these medications because they're equipped to know the questions to ask, etc., and then the responsibility falls on them. Whereas for us, if we're applying those products or supplying them, which is what used to happen and still happens a lot of the time now, um, we're just running into that murky water because we don't have the knowledge around 
those medications and how to use them safely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing we were ta- you were talking about inside there is the amount of trauma. Now, we know that the deeper you go, we have a lot more trauma, um, but would I be correct in saying that some devices, even at a one meal, causes a lot more trauma than what a precision device does? Absolutely. <laughs> so there are so many facets to needling and what I think is really interesting, and I'll put my hand on my heart and say that I have been, I guess, responsible for saying this as well, because even five years ago, we didn't know as much about devices and how they work and what they do to the skin. So it used to be pretty popular mentality in the industry that all of the pens basically did the same thing. <laughs> if they were working at a certain speed, um, as long as your needles were sterile, etc., we kind of all put most of the devices into the same basket really. But now that we know more, of course, now we can go, oh, actually, that's not true because we're always learning and developing. So there's huge differences in needle qualities. A lot of the needles have got, um, if you magnify them and have a look at them really closely, they've got little shards and little imperfections, which if you can imagine, or they're not set completely vertically. So when they're entering and exiting the skin, they're causing a lot more damage than they would if they were perfectly, you know, straight, sharp, vertical needle entering and exiting the skin. You can imagine just a slight um, irregularity there when it's going in and out thousands and thousands of times really quickly. It's going to change the way that it works. Um, And I think that's a really common um, issue with a lot of the other devices on the market. We also see a lot of issues with the power that's available to Um, devices. So a really good way to test this is just to get hold of a needle cartridge that's supplied with a pen and there's always a spring at the back. And if you can just kind of press that in and out, if there's quite a lot of resistance, like if you have to put some pressure on it, that tells me that the device that's pushing it has got a lot of power behind it, which is great. A lot of the um, cartridges out there, when you push them, they're really, really light. Like it doesn't take any pressure to push it down, which tells me the device pushing it doesn't have a lot of power either. And what that can mean is that the device is okay at getting the needles into the skin, but not as effective at retracting them again. And a really common problem that people find with devices is they get this feeling of dragging and catching. And when we feel that dragging and catching, sometimes we think it's our technique, which it it can be for sure. But I would say most of the time, what's happening in those instances is the needles are going into the skin. The device doesn't have enough power to retract them fully. So they're kind of still sitting in the skin, but dragging, catching feeling. And when we come back to our goal of hitting the end point without causing too much trauma, that's not... (laughs) That's not the path we're trying to follow there. <laughs> so that's a really good point too. And that's uncomfortable not only um, it's, it's for both, both for the client on the bed, they can feel that dragging or scratching and yeah. the clinician can feel it too. Yes. It's uncomfortable for both. And then we get nervous and we're yeah. thinking, oh, gosh, we're hurting someone, we're causing damage, we're moving our, you know, our 
outcomes. Yeah, it doesn't feel good for anyone, you're right. So we've kind of touched there that not all needling devices are the same, nor are all the cartridges the same or the the needles are the same. Um, And that's why I know I love and um, will always distribute the Exceed device because of all the um, FDA, ISO, TGA, all the checkpoints and balances that makes it a medical device. Um, when it comes down to choosing a device, what specs do you look for? Mm-hmm. So I think the, there's a few key ones, and I guess you kind of need to have a, a, t- a checkbox list almost of things that um, are important. So some key things we've spoken already, I think the quality of the cartridges is really important and there's a few things to kind of cover off there. We need to make sure that the needles are straight, that they're free from imperfections. Um, I also check, as I said, how resistant the cartridge is because that tells you a lot about the device's power and how reliable it's going to be at retracting the needles too. Um, One of the things that I love about the Exceed, every single cartridge, there is a photo taken (laughs) of the needles in high magnification and they check for all of those irregularities that we've spoken about. And this is the difference between using a medical grade device and something else that's mass produced. And um, I know from working with other devices, you get dodgy cartridges and sometimes you start using one and you go, oh no, that doesn't feel right. And you throw it out and you put a new one in and hope that it's better. treatment. Yeah. <laughs> two minutes into a treatment. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, in that two minutes we're getting, what, how many holes a second? <laughs> Hundreds of holes a second. Even if we still use it for a couple of seconds, we've still yeah. made a whole lot of injury to the skin, which we didn't want. Um, so that's important. Um Then I guess moving on up, (laughs) the other thing that I think about is backflow because one of the big issues, obviously, when you're working with a vertical needling device, the handpiece you are reusing with each client or patient, um, the cartridges obviously are single-use and disposable. But if you have a pen where blood or bodily fluids can flow from the skin up the cartridge and into the pen, there is a chance that it can come back the other way in your next treatment and we have a cross-contamination issue. And every device out there tells you that they have anti-backflow cartridges. Every device. not true. (laughs) Um, And I think that's really scary and I feel like that's something that a lot of skin therapists don't understand that they could actively be, you know, creating an environment where there's that risk for their for their clients. So I think there's a very easy way of checking that. If you take a cartridge and you hold it needle tip up and you put a little bit of water in the end of it and then move that spring on the base up and down, you'll soon see if any water is able to flow through the back of that cartridge. And I check every cartridge I ever work with. (laughs) The Exceed is the only one that I've ever found that doesn't have anything coming through. There's a little valve at the top which doesn't go into the pen. Um, Anything, any extra fluid, any gel, et cetera, comes out of that little suction valve and not into the cartridge, which is really important because, of course, we don't want to be having any risk of cross-contamination. That's an that's a what's the word it's an unacceptable risk in my opinion so that's that 
Um, then we need to think about, I guess, the device itself. And one of the really important things to think about is the speed that the pen is working. So we need to have speed because speed is what allows us to treat comfortably for our clients. There's something that we call the gate theory. And the gate theory speaks about how... Uh, we confuse our nerves basically. So if you have a device and the exceed can go up to 150 hertz per second, what that means is when you've got a cartridge in the device and you turn it to 150 hertz, that needle cartridge is going up and down 150 times per second, which for us we can't even really get our head around how quick that is because, you know, that's a second (laughs) and something's happening 150 times in that space. But what it creates, of course, is vibration. So when we put that pen on the face, the nerves are going, whoa, something's moving and shaking there. They're picking up on that vibration. And the good news for us is that our nerves are not good multitaskers. (laughs) So they're picking up and talking to our brain and sending this message that something's vibrating. And then the message of pain that's coming afterwards doesn't really get through very effectively. So, of course, clients always say to you, does it hurt? And I say, well, I'm not going to say there's not a sensation because there's definitely a sensation. Your body knows something's happening. You can feel that. But it shouldn't be a pain sensation. It shouldn't be, ow, that's hurting. Get it off of me. It should be, I tell my clients it's like a sharp, scratchy feeling, but it shouldn't be, ow. Um, Yeah, it should be manageable. Absolutely. There are some areas which have more sensation than others because you can imagine your forehead doesn't vibrate as well as your cheeks, for example. So when we're working on bony areas like the forehead or the bridge of the nose, because the skin doesn't vibrate as well, we're not confusing those nerves as effectively. So some more of that pain signal is going to come through. So most people would say that the forehead and the nose, those kind of bony areas are the most uncomfortable Um, and we can change some parameters there to help with that but having that speed is so important because without that you're never having enough vibration (laughs) to confuse the nerves and your treatments are always going to be uncomfortable and your clients are going to be singing out for anesthetic which we don't want to use for safety reasons that we've also gone over but there's huge efficacy reasons to not use um, local anesthetic as well which for me is more important maybe well, it's life or death. let's let's call it for yeah. what it is yeah yeah for yeah. me it's life or death but also it's as i said before it's unnecessary but if you're using anesthetic cream you're completely changing the signals that the skin gives you which tell you which cells you're interacting with and if you're interacting with the wrong cells you're going to get a different result to what you're looking for so if you're looking at performing effective treatments anesthetic also takes away your ability to do that so it's not just about the safety it's not just about this there's all like I've I think I spend almost an hour in my needling course talking about all the reasons (laughs) why your treatment will be better if you don't use anesthetic cream and safety to be honest is a small part part. I had a um, a really interesting um, experience Mm, I kind of want to say around about nine ten years ago we had um, Dr Lance Setterfield out and was running around with us um, uh, doing uh, master classes and live education 
we'd filled out the consultation form for one of the um, clients to have her treatment up on the stage. And I took her out the back and popped on her anesthetic a good 20 minutes before the treatment. When we got her up in the bed and this was all being videoed, we removed the anesthetic um, and her face was already at an end point because she'd not (laughs) had a phylactic reaction, but she'd had a topical skin reaction Mm -hmm. to the anesthetic. And um, Dr. Setterfield couldn't even start his treatment treatment on video to show the um show all the students yeah, right. because she was already at an end point of the deep dermal treatment um we yeah. laugh now um yeah. you know I tried to cut that out as quickly as we could cold compresses on but it had already made its way into weight in way into the um the integumentary system so it was already on the passive cascade of error and itching and whatnot um she was okay i'll just we got another, another um, uh, model out. um but we can have something as superficial and that's still quite dangerous as that as well as anything we're putting needling if we keep that there we remove it from this topical part of the skin or the stratum corneum but it's still within the epidermis and then you're needling that anesthetic in um so yeah, anyway, we don't have to talk about that because we have <laughs> it's a big topic. <laughs> we'll do another podcast on. <laughs> no. um, so let me, uh, you and I have done this for so long. I'm not quite 30 years, but I'm definitely on 20. Um, and I started with the roller like yourself, um, trained by Dr. Um, Des Fernandez. From there, we started to see these um, mechanical uh, vertical needling devices come out. Once they came out, there were these cordless devices. Now, we know Exceed has a cord. Help me understand and our listeners understand why would you choose, and you've, I know you've worked with cordless and corded, um, as have I. Why would you choose a cordless over a corded or, or the other way around? Mm-hmm. So coming back to, I guess, what we were just talking about, the speed and having to have that consistent speed there to give you efficacy but also comfort in your treatment, we just don't get the same with a battery. (laughs) Unfortunately, just with the technology in the world at the moment, there does not exist a battery that is the same power at the start of the treatment to the end of the treatment or however many times it's been recharged. So as we all know, when you buy a new mobile phone, your battery is amazing and you're like, oh, my God, my phone is lasting for a whole day without being recharged. How exciting. This is wonderful. It's changed my life. You have that phone for six months and all of a sudden you're having to charge it when you get in the car to go to work in the morning. You're having to charge it in your lunch break because the battery, every time you recharge it, is losing its ability to hold charge and it's never quite the same power. So if you're working with a device that has a battery, there does not exist the technology in the world that when you start your first treatment ever with that battery, it's going to be delivering one thing. Your 150th or your 50th treatment is going to be delivering a different output. And at the end of the treatment, it's a different output to what you started with. So when we start to think about, okay, do we have control over our treatment? Are we giving a consistent treatment? Are we getting the end point that we want at the beginning of the treatment and the end of the treatment? All of those things are considerations. If you have your device plugged into power, you don't have to think about any of that. Your batteries aren't going to run out in the middle of the treatment. You're not going to get six months into your device and start to worry about whether your device is going to make it through (laughs) your treatment. All of those things you just don't have to think about. And really, 
people are like, oh, but it's annoying working with a cord. You just have to know how to manage a cord. It's really not that difficult. You either loop it around your neck and I tuck it under my arm on the side, like my non-working hand, and that way the cord is always the same length. It's not in your way. You just have to always have the exact length of your outstretched working hand and then you're perfect. Um, some cords work really well that way. Some cords, depending on how flexible they are, I also would just wrap them around my working lower arm so that it's just perfectly sitting in my hand. So whichever way works for you, it's really absolutely no drama to have a cord and it means that you're never having to think about any of those other um, issues yeah, I think the big aha there is we're talking about a, yeah. a, a needle tip um, going in and out of the skin and slowing down and causing that scratching because it can't retract out of the skin. Well, that's that's from how the device is the power. Uh, how fast yeah. the motor is working. Now let's come and look at the battery. If the battery starts to slow down in, a say, a 30-minute treatment and that last 15 or 10 minutes or whatever it might be starts to slow, you're going to get that dragging and you it's not your fault as the clinician. It is the fact that that's what the device is doing because it doesn't have that consistent power uh, input. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as you being able to start, finish your treatments, do 150, 300, 3,000 treatments and they're all... It's just that. Um, right? It's just beautiful having that little light <laughs> in your hand that you what you get is what you can start to finish, uh, treatment in, treatment out, year on, year in, year out. Absolutely. So, Leah, um, roller versus your automated pens, um, is there a place in the world for both and which is best and uh, is one better than the other and why do we use them both? In a clinical setting or at home? Okay. In a clinical setting, I'm going to say there's absolutely no place for a roller (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Um, And I say that without any doubt in my mind. What you can achieve with a pen is millions of years ahead of what you can achieve with a roller. With a roller, you have one set length that you're having to use over a large area. And as we know, the the thickness of the skin on the forehead is very different to the thickness of the skin on the cheek or the neck or the decolletage or the eyelid. (laughs) Um, And if you're going to be working over all of those areas with one roller, you're either going to be too deep somewhere, too shallow somewhere else. It's never going to be the correct length for you. They also create way, way, way too much skin damage. So as far as us coming back to that goal of hitting the end point with the least amount of trauma, rollers blow that out of the water because they create much bigger wounds. The needles, if you think about how a roller goes across the skin, they enter on an angle it then pivots through the skin and it flicks out the other side. So that's very different from a needle just entering and exiting the skin vertically, which is what happens with the pen devices. Makes total sense. Now, if a client had a um, an in-clinic treatment with a pen device, should they be sitting at home with a roller? So... <laughs> I I know that we probably have a slightly different viewpoint on this. I really think of home care rollers as being a great way to increase the absorbency or the um, infusion of products. So I think that they're a great tool if someone's looking to kind of spice up their skincare a little bit more. But that being said, we have to be so careful because basically what a home care roller does is go through and put holes in the stratum corneum. So it's taking that 
barrier of the skin, which is designed to keep everything out, then it's making it permeable. So whatever you apply to the skin after that is going to be absorbed much faster and much more readily into the skin, which is great if you're using amazing skincare, (laughs) but terrible if you're using something that shouldn't be going into the skin easier and faster. So they're considerations. Um, I think that in the reality or yeah, the reality of the world, often clients get really excited about home care rollers in the beginning, but I've yet to meet someone who actually consistently uses it for any period of time. So I also feel like sometimes because if you're going to put a client on a home care roller, you really need to take the time to educate them on how to use it, how to clean it, how to be safe with it, what to not and not put on afterwards, etc. And then if they're only going to do it for a week and then go, oh, that's kind of a lot of hard work or I'm really busy and I'm just not going to do it consistently, I think why not just focus on your clinical treatments, which have a very different um, ability with what they can create in the skin. Um, So I personally don't focus too much on home care rollers. I know that some clinics do, and I think if that works for their business, that's awesome. I think they do have their place. It's just about knowing what the place is and how to do it safely and taking those steps to really educate clients. Yeah, it's a bit like um, uh, my gym membership. I get so excited when I ring you New year, new year, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then all of a sudden six months later I've totally forgotten that I actually really even need to go. But if someone yeah, like, that you're paying all this money yeah. to not go to the gym, yeah. But if you have a personal trainer, which can be like your um, esthetician or corneotherapist. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you've got them on, on the sidelines cheering for you and reminding cheering. you to, to use your well yes. get your butt to the gym and um, we can keep up some good homework. So, um, yeah, I hear you and I know I'm guilty of both the gym and being slack on my home rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I guess for me I like to keep everything simple. So I always think about what are the things that we can do that give us the biggest result for the least amount of work. And when I think about like if my client's just going to do one thing for me at home, what's it going to be? I would want it to be good home care. So that's always my my first priority. Um, Things like rollers, I guess they kind of come in later down the track. If your client's She's like killing it with her skincare. Everything's perfect. She's on the ball. She's doing all of her professional treatments and she still wants more. That can be a really nice place to bring in a roller for that right client that you know, you know, this is a high priority for her. She's going to put the time in. Um, But yeah, I'd say for probably 85 to 90% of clients, you know, even just to get them to use home care religiously and for that to become a really big part of their life like that needs to be your focus because for them that can be quite a big mountain to climb so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and it's not it's courses for courses some people will do it and some people will just go that that's too the too hard basket you look after my skin when yeah. I come in clinic yeah <laughs> and let me just worry about all the other things in my life so Leah let's just look at some skin types um who can anyone just walk off the street walk into a clinic um, present themselves and say, I would like that uh, exceed microneedling treatment, please, and can I have it today? Yeah. Well, look, they can, <laughs> um, but it's never going to give the best results. So there are a few ways to look at this. From a clinic 
point of view, we want to make sure, of course, that all of our treatments are safe. We don't want our clients coming back in two days going, oh, my gosh, look what's happened. Or, yeah, I had that treatment done with Leah and nothing changed in my skin. I paid $600 and, look, I still look exactly the same. So if you want safety, if you want efficacy, if you want those amazing results, we have to prep the skin because your skin is going to go through a healing response no matter what after a needling. But the quality of the healing is going to depend on the health of the tissue, what's contained within your cells, the genetic information in the cells, all of those things come into play. So for me personally, I won't needle someone until I've done at least like a minimum of four weeks preparation. And the things that we're focusing on in that time is making sure that the DNA within the cells is correct so that when the cells divide, we create healthy cells. And then we also start to think about what response am I wanting to elicit? So if I'm going for a collagen style treatment where we're wanting to get the client to produce more collagen, I know that their skin's going to be needing vitamins A, C and E and some zinc and all these other things to produce healthy collagen. So it makes sense to prep them with those ingredients and have enough of them in the cells that when you do your treatment the skin has actually got what it needs to build the collagen afterwards because if you did just bring someone in off the street you do the treatment the skin's going to produce collagen but it's not going to be good quality collagen so it's like well is that a good outcome or not (laughs) same with pigment if you're wanting to treat pigment you need to start retraining those cells to be working correctly before you treat because otherwise you're creating inflammation and we know that inflammation can create pigment so the last thing we want is for skin to not be ready and then for us to go and make it worse we need to spend that time getting the skin ready, getting the client ready. Um, And I think it makes them value the treatment more as well. Yeah. So I've had so many clients that, and look, I always tell them, look, we can do the treatment today, but this is basically the two forks in the road that I want you to understand. And when I explain it to them, this is what's going to happen in your skin. We can make it happen really well or we can get an average result. I haven't had a client yet say, yeah, okay, let's do it today. Give, give me the Because it's not in their best interest. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, it's in their best interest for sure. And, and the tre- uh, treatments aren't cheap. Um, so no. you won't be able to get those, um, yeah, definitely the best results. Um, I know. And I think this, sorry, can I yeah. just say one other thing? I think also that sets you apart from all of the other clinics that are using a hundred dollar pen and offering a hundred dollar treatment because you can get a hundred dollar skin needling treatment, but do you want it? <laughs> and I think the more um, that your client can see how much you care about this treatment and that you know what you're talking about and there's a reason for everything that you do. If there's a reason for everything that you do, people will follow you. If you're just saying, oh, you need to do four weeks of preparation with no explanation, of course they're going to go and start looking somewhere else because it doesn't make sense to them. But if you say to them, look, we can do the treatment today and you're going to produce average at best collagen (laughs) or we can prep your skin for four weeks and we're going to get an incredible result that's going to last a lot longer, be a lot more significant and it's going to be safer, that shows that you know what you're talking about and it really sets you apart from others that are doing the same-ish treatment. Yeah, a million percent um, agree with you. And the other thing that I think we've got to remember here, it's not just the prep, it is the post and it is the long-term skin nutrition that we're 
And it's not just one treatment. (laughs) But you and I talked some time ago in another podcast about EFAs and we were just touching on pigment then and we know that both the melanocyte and keratinocyte work as one unit when moving pigment parcels around. Do you try and encourage your clients and do you teach um, uh, in class that EFAs are essential uh, part of this process for the clients to be on? Yeah, absolutely. So EFAs are an interesting one because they do lots of different things in the skin, but on a simple level, they create a huge part of your cell membrane and then they create a huge part of your acid mantle. They control your sebum levels, et cetera. So depending on what your focus is with your treatment will depend on, I guess, the role that the EFAs will play. But for every skin, they are, as the name suggests, essential. So um For me, I guess, and we go through this in my course, but there's some things which every single skin before a skin needling treatment should have, and EFAs is one of those. So I would say for at least a month before the treatment because it takes a while for your body to get those ingredients into your cells. Um, Sunscreen is another one which should be an essential anyway, but we know in reality it's not because what sunscreen does is stops any further damage. So you're going to be taking... I guess, steps to start to repair the damage that's already there. But there's no point repairing if they're still damaging their skin every day. So EFAs, sunscreen every day. Um, I also make vitamin A one of my essentials before needling because we need to start repairing that damage. Then the other things I think are skin um like individual for that client, depending on what we're focusing on. But those three, everybody should be doing every day for at least four weeks. Right. Before we totally. Yeah. Totally makes sense. <laughs> and with um, Dermavigils being bespoke, every skin will have its own um, treatment pathway, which is, which is brilliant. Um, we're talking um, just then about skin needling and sunscreen. Um, this is totally off track again. <laughs> so sorry for popping this up that we even didn't think we'd discuss. But I've, I've just, let's just put ourselves in this scenario. We've just finished a deep dermal needling. Um, clients had, um, let's say, 20 minutes cooling time, whether that be with an epinuvone mask, whatever we're going to be using. Mm-hmm. Will you apply sunscreen then and there before they walk out or will you have them with a hat and scarf and sun avoidance and then they start using sunscreen the next day? How, what's your belief around that? So I think... In a perfect world, all of our clients would come at the very end of the day so that when they leave, it's nighttime (laughs) and you can just send them home to bed. So in a perfect world, you just put your finishing product on, you put lots of it on because the skin is thirsty, thirsty, thirsty after needling. So you kind of seal the skin as much as you can. You send them home, they go to bed, and that's a really good start to the healing process. But, of course, then reality comes in and some clients need to come during the day and it is still bright when they leave. So in those instances, I personally will put um, a level of sun protection on. But, of course, I don't want them to go out into the sun. But we have to, I guess, consider reality, which is they're going to be in the car with the sun shining on them on their way home. So I do. I think it's important to be particular about what type of sunscreen you use and make sure that it is something that's safe and comfortable because as much as I'm generally a really big advocate for zinc-based sunscreens, a lot of zinc-based sunscreens are really uncomfortable to put on the skin after needling. So, of course, that's not (laughs) in line with what we're trying 
going to do. So, yeah, if you can do it without the sun, that's great. Um, otherwise, you would need to look for a safe option to have on just to get them home and then they're going to wash that off once or before they go to bed, put more finishing product on and, yeah, so it's a little bit messier around that way. But, yeah, I think it's important. It, I guess the benefits of sunscreen outweigh the other side of it. Yes, yeah, I hear you. So the, our best tip here is try and get those appointments in from, say, yes. 5 o'clock <laughs> onwards or 6 um, in yeah. saving time. Depending wherever you live, yeah. <laughs> if you're in Norway, 11 in the morning's fine. <laughs> um, so I, I don't really want to get too deep into this, Leah, because I think we could do a podcast on wound healing all by itself. Um, but very top-line overview, what are the stages from the first moment of injury through to, um, uh, let's say, you know, um, 28 days' time, really top-line, because I know we can talk about this for a two hours um look like for the clinician and the client um in that wound healing phase Mm -hmm. are we talking about a dermal treatment or an yeah so let's get (laughs) um dermal treatment and we're going after um great collagen elastin gags awesome So um, the short version is initially what's happening, obviously we're going to be poking our little needles down into the dermis. So the clinician is going to be seeing some very tiny pinpricks of blood popping up. And when I say teeny tiny, I mean you literally should have to get your face within 10 centimetres of their face to see them. So if you're standing further back and can see them, too much pull back please do my course and find out a little bit more (laughs) about that um but it should be very very tiny bleeding and that's your body's first priority it's now going oh i'm losing blood and i've got a hole into the skin so your body's first priority is to stop the bleeding and to plug up that hole and that's called hemostasis. And what happens there is we send platelets into the blood, it makes it thicker and we get a blood clot, we stop bleeding and we've plugged the hole. So that's our first step. After that is when the inflammation phase kicks in. And this is when all the exciting stuff really starts to happen because this is when we release the growth factors. And growth factors are the whole reason why we are needling. So when you start to feel that heat coming through in the skin, when your client starts to look red, this is when the magic is starting to happen. And that can last for a couple of hours for some people. It can last for two days for some people. If it's lasting any longer than that, you probably need to do something else about it. Um, But during that phase, we are releasing growth factors and growth factors in this instance will be doing things like telling your fibroblasts, please produce some more collagen, elastin and hyaluronic acid. (laughs) And that's great. That's what we want them to do. We're also remodeling the capillaries in the area. So if someone has a lack of capillaries in the area, we'll be starting to build new ones. Or depending on how we've performed our treatment, we can also break down ones that aren't serving us well, like in the case of rosacea, for example. So there's a couple of different things that can happen depending on how you're treating. But the important thing to note is that inflammation phase is actually really important because that's when we're getting all of those great growth factors. So we do have to be aware of not doing too much to interfere with that. So things like um, LED straight afterwards, we know that any LED that 
penetrates down into the dermis will negatively interfere with the effectiveness of our treatment. So we want to avoid that until that inflammatory phase has passed. So normally day two to three after the treatment, we just want to let it go. So the things that I'm saying to my client is you're going to feel like you're sunburnt and that is the only time in the world where it's a good thing to feel that way. <laughs> so I'm like, enjoy that heat, enjoy that pink glow that you have, embrace it, love it, because that's where your results come from, basically. Um, and then once that has, like once the skin starts to settle, this is where all the hard work begins for the skin. So that's when we actually start producing all of the baby collagen, as I call it for my clients we start producing the new elastin fibers all the new hyaluronic acid starts to come in and that happens for about 20 days after our treatment so for 20 days after our treatment we're building all of these new exciting proteins and then for the next kind of two years they're all maturing and going into their long-lasting forms so we start off with the baby forms they're really fragile they need to be protected and then we mature into the forms which stay with us for a lot longer so the client's main goal initially is to just enjoy the heat and then it's to protect all of those baby proteins so sun protection is so important um, using good quality antioxidants on the skin is so important because free radicals can break them down as well and also thinking about the other treatments that you perform over the next eight weeks or so is also essential because if we're doing anything invasive like another needling treatment we can actually break down all of our hard work which we don't want to do yeah. Thanks, so that's what happens and I think the thing I missed to say was that sometimes people get a bit flaky as well yeah. um, so I find as far as what a client will feel there's obviously that heat initially um, then this and their skin feels quite or I find like tight yeah. and dry because we've created all of this transepidermal water loss we've created all of these punctures all of the moistures <laughs> run for the hills so we need to kind of I always say to my clients use as much moisturizer as you want over the next few days just kind of lock and seal everything in as quickly as you can because when the skin's hydrated it heals better and faster so we want to help that along as much as possible and that's where it becomes so important to have good levels of EFAs in your skin before you treat because that way at least we've got some normality there so lots of moisture in those first few days when you start to get that dryness and flakiness coming through if it happens because it doesn't happen for everybody um i normally tell my clients if you get dry and flaky all that's happening is you had some excess cells in your upper layers of skin your body's just getting rid of them it doesn't need them anymore so if it happens it's a great thing if it doesn't happen your skin was already really nice and healthy and there was nothing to get rid of so yeah pat on the back um <laughs> I think it's a really nice practice if it's possible in your clinic and for your client for them to come in around day three to four so that you can kind of check the skin, see how it's going. Great time to do a follow-up LED and something like an enzyme treatment to help dissolve any of that dryness that's there. Yeah, that's what we um, work with all our cornea therapists with dermavigils to do that day three check-in. And let's face it, some, some parts of the face will have this hyperproliferation or this drying, flaking of the skin 
skin and then other parts of the face don't. So it can be also um, just, you know, around the lips or it could be on the cheeks. It, it doesn't uniformly have it or not have it. Um, yeah. So thinking well, about it. Well, worked a little bit more intensely as well, like if there's been some expression lines that you've been focusing on and you've given it a bit more love, as I say, then you'll probably <laughs> get a bit more flaking there. But I find that it's kind of a sliding scale. The first treatment for someone, they tend to get quite dry and flaky. And then each time, because the skin's becoming healthier and more balanced, you normally see less and less of that with each treatment. So it's a nice measure of how the skin's progressing too. Mm, at, um, we were talking about putting a lot of moisture back into the skin. What we do uh, at Dermavigils is we have this specialised product, um, Oleogel Plus, and it's a pure pot of lipids or essential fatty acids mixed in with phosphatidylcholine as we know we need that for our cell membrane. And literally it gives you a second skin. So the comfort straight after treatment and for the days ensuing where the skin is feeling a little tight and uncomfortable, it gives you that lock in and all the EFAs and um, phosphatidylcholine that the skin requires. So it's a beautiful post-treatment. Um, my skin, I can't cope without it. When I've had needling, that I just look to um, yeah. bathe my skin in that. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's so, so, so good. It's literally the perfect option, isn't it? Really? So everything your skin needs at that point yeah. is there. <laughs> and, and nothing it doesn't. Like there's a lot of recovery balms out there, but it's formulated with things that the skin doesn't really require or shouldn't even see. Yeah. Um, post-trauma. Yeah. So, yeah, everything it needs, nothing it doesn't. Now, I just want to talk about colours of skin. So we've got so many Fitzpatricks running around, um, uh, different colours from the lighter skin to the darkest. Can every skin colour be needled? They can, yes. Um, but we do need to be aware of, I guess, just how to prepare and how to work with different skin types because, of course, your higher Fitzpatrick skins, they are superstars at producing pigment. That's kind of what they do best. So if we're going to go and create inflammation, there's a chance that we are going to elicit that same response because that's what that skin knows how to do. So it's just about preparing the skin correctly, performing your treatment correctly. So you know, not using a device that's going to be creating more trauma than we want, um, making sure that the products that we're applying are suitable <laughs> and safe during the treatment and that there's appropriate home. Because let's face it, there's so little to jump in there. We know that there's ingredients in, in certain skin ranges mm. that can cause pigment uh, inadvertently because there may be essential oils in there, there may be um, preservatives in there that interact with UV exposure. So you feel you're using a good skincare, but the ingredients Absolutely. can obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, and we need to be so careful with the products that we're using during and after a treatment. And I think this is something that really our industry needs to spend a bit more time looking into because yeah. what we know about whatever product we are needling with, it's being injected into the body. So we should only be using products that are suitable to be injected into the body. And and people often say to me, oh, I'm using a hyaluronic acid serum. I'm like, that's great. What's the preservative in there? There's, you know, <laughs> should that be injected into the body? There's all kinds of things that we need to be really aware of um, and what you're applying afterwards. 
I love it, Leah, and it was at a really good seminar I went to. Oh, I'm sorry, a, a client went to and sent me all the information. Um, EGA sees that using a topical ingredient whilst needling is classed as a medical product because you have broken the skin and put it in. Now, uh, as a corneotherapist or esthetician, we are classed medical. So legally, by needling product into the skin, that is classed by TGA as a therapeutic good and is it a medical product you're needling in or have you just created a medical environment? So it's it's a very slippery slope. We used to have it with anaesthetic and now pretty much most of the industry understands mm-hmm. that that is a medical realm. Um, but I think there are still a lot of people walking that tightrope that don't understand what TGA lists, how, how they talk about that and how we are still a lot of us mm-hmm. walking a tightrope, um, not just quality of ingredient going in, but the actual mechanical interaction of making holes in the Absolutely. Product in. <laughs> it's um, a minefield, um, but, um, you know, sometimes it takes a while for our industry to catch up um, when laws are out there. And I think the risk of, you know, because yeah. there are people that advocate, and look, I've done this in the past as well, but <laughs> learned from my mistakes. Um, (laughs) you know we used to needle actives into the skin and say that it was going to fix pigment and do all this but I mean in reality one application of an active is never going to give us a result you know we know that (laughs) if there was that product in the world (laughs) we would all be walking around airbrushed perfect so we know that one application is not going to fix the world we know that we get much better results from clients using those ingredients repeatedly in their home care every single day so why do we even bother putting an ingredient into the skin which has such a high potential to cause huge issues like granulomas and huge allergic reactions etc when we could just safely have that client using that product every day at home for a much better result zero risk (laughs) we use a product for gliding during our treatment because the needles they don't need help if you if you're using your needles correctly they are the magicians there (laughs) and i always say i always try and say when people say oh we should put product on board because that's the old mentality and what we've been taught Mm -hmm. and and we should think i kind of say think about the cascade of things that are going on from the point of injury right through for the next you know two years but let's Mm -hmm. say very actively for the next 28 days Mm -hmm. why would you introduce another factor when the skin has so much to cope with with hundreds of thousands of wound injuries being made in that, you know, 30 to 45 minutes you've got the client on the bed. But that's another podcast we can talk about. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm, I'm going, okay, well, let's let's now have a look at um, the client's commitment to treatments. Do we do one needling? Um, do we do them four weeks apart? Do we do six needlings? How do you discern what a client requires? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't have a perfectly straight answer for that one, but it does depend on what you're treating and the type of treatment you're performing. So if you're working in the epidermis only, which is generally when we're working on acne or pigmentation, we should be performing the treatment without drawing any blood. So it's what I call an epidermal treatment. And those treatments we can perform two to four weeks apart. So we can perform them closer together because we're not having to wait for collagen to mature before we retreat. So they can go a little bit closer together. Acne treatments, you should only need two or three if you're performing them correctly and at the right point. Um, 
because we need to remember needling doesn't cure acne. What it does is help you decongest what's there. But if you haven't corrected the cause of the acne before you start with needling, you're going to need more treatments because it will just come back. So acne should be a pretty fast turnaround if you've done your homework beforehand. Pigmentation, I say it's good to aim for about six treatments. We tend to find we get good results for about six treatments. And there's never any harm in doing more than that. But what I like to say is the skin does eventually plateau. So for me, with pigment, I'm like, okay, we get to about six treatments and we start to see not much change with each treatment anymore. So then I normally give the skin a break and we kind of say, okay, for the next three to four months, let's just have a little rest from needling. Let's do some other things and then we can come back and do a couple of touch-up appointments. Yeah. Um, when we're working into the dermis, we do need to allow longer between treatments because we need to allow the baby collagen to mature before we treat again. Because if we treat too early, we break all the baby collagen down and it just gets dissolved and there wasn't much point in doing the original treatment. So um, I work on kind of a six to eight week window between dermal treatments, which is where we have drawn blood. And for collagen induction treatments so where you're doing that kind of anti-aging treatment i find it's similar about six treatments you'll tend to get good results for before you hit that kind of plateau and then have that little break and do some touch-up appointments after that um, other things that we treat around there things like rosacea i normally find i can get pretty good results in about two or three treatments again a little bit like with acne as long as i've done the correct preparation beforehand so we need to have the skin at the right point before we start um needling yeah all, all of which we go you go into depth with of course Absolutely. on your online classes yeah. like there's so <laughs> much we're touching on here and people go well my brain's going so what should it look like what should yeah. i be using so like 11 hours of stuff we can't do it. i know so, i'm sorry to everyone listening it's making more questions come yeah. but there's places to find those answers this is just opening a window for you guys to be able to jump through and say i want to know yeah. more and then things like yeah. scarring you know it's often up to 10 treatments because there's so much remodeling that has to happen. We have to plump the skin whilst we're breaking down all of those kind of really strong collagen fibers underneath. So there's a lot happening. So I normally let my clients know that, look, it's probably going to be about 10 treatments before, like we'll definitely see results along the journey, but it takes a long time to kind of get to that maximum result. So yeah, it really depends on what you're treating. The hard thing I found when I was um, a clinician or corneotherapist practicing, um, clients would always want to know because they're instantaneous, we, most human yeah. beings are, yeah. how long I see results. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I know that question is how long is a piece of string, um, but generally from you, can, can you bring any sort of light to that or is it like everyone is so unique I can't give you that answer, Simone? I th well, the way that I explain it to my clients personally is I always give them that kind of long-term goal. So if it's anti-aging, look, ideally we want to do six treatments and each time your skin is going to get better and better and better. Um, I think what's so important with clients because like needling is a bit of a slow game, you know, it's not, as you said, one treatment and wow, look, I'm looking like I am at 50 and <laughs> however old you've, you've made me out to be. Um 
So I think like your before and after photos are so important. And that's like when you've got an observe or something like that to be able to show someone where they were a month ago, three months ago, three treatments ago, that is so powerful because for a client, they're looking at themselves multiple times every day in the mirror. And when you're looking at yourself that often, it can be hard to notice change. So by being able to illustrate that for them when they come in, that's really, really helpful. Before and afters, again, we're just going to go on track to off track here for a moment. Before and afters are not negotiable for me. Yeah. If I can't take that before photo, I'm standing up in five different directions, face on, yeah. half left to the shoulder, full left, half right to the shoulder, full right, um, the client doesn't get a treatment because when you're spending a lot of money on these and, like you said, you forget because you're looking at yourself every day, I'll never forget an interaction I had with a client. She was into her fourth needling treatment. Back then we weren't as smart. Um, we were doing them four weeks apart mm-hmm. for the deeper treatments. And um, she was actually a solicitor and she came and said, I'd like all my money back. I don't see a difference in my skin um, and I don't believe that what you've, the money I've given over. And I was just absolutely in a world of panic. My heart was racing really fast and I didn't sleep well that night. But luckily enough, I'd taken photos. I asked her if I could take another set of photos and then I got them together and um, showed her and she could not believe it. She actually finalised her course. Six months later, she had a couple of top-ups. So without those photos, I wouldn't have had a leg to stand yeah, on. Yeah, and it can um, be, it's impossible to see it sometimes. But, yeah, when you look at the photos, it's like, oh, whoa, I am a wizard. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm looking pretty good. I'm doing a really good job, yeah. One of those statements, Leah, and both you and I know it, we have such a passion for it. If you, For me, if you've got the dermavigils, dermatological skincare um, that is bespoke, you've got a very good medical LED device or a, a diode that knows what it's doing and you've got Exceed, it's, to me it's that holy trinity, it's that triangle of what else do I really need for skin rejuvenation yeah. in my clinic? And I say um, this, over, people always ask me, there's so many people that are wanting to get into working with skin at the moment and... I always say, look, you don't need to spend millions of dollars to set yourself up. You need the right knowledge. That's always the most important thing. So get yourself educated because that's where everything falls from. You need the right products because that's where 90% of your results come from. You know, what your clients are doing every single day at home makes a difference. So those two things are essential. If you've got that down pat, look into needling because then you can actually really treat some of these other things and get past what you can achieve with home care. And then your next step is LED. And once you've got those four pillars, you really don't need anything else to have a great skin business because you can take before and afters without an observe. (laughs) And I always say like step five, when you're like, oh, I've got heaps of money, what do I do with it? buy a skin scanner because then you can have these great before and afters great quality which is exciting but that alone isn't going to change the skin so I think those first four steps your knowledge your skincare your skin needling um and your led they're your that's your foundation to a healthy skin business and I hope that everyone can hear and know what I hear and know of Leah when you sit and speak to Leah or you're in a class with her as an educator or you are at the other end being one of her clients 
take away how she explains so beautifully and so much on lay, in layman's terms how things are working. We know when we get highly educated that we can use our big words and we can talk about cells and systems. It's so be, uh, over and above client speak. But Leah breaks it down so beautifully. Um, I know she can speak very different vocabulary um, with her cells and systems. Maybe not but after becoming a mum. <laughs> no, maybe after, <laughs> well, after that leave. But look, if you can take one thing away, get on your client's level, um, take away how Leah trains and speaks because when you can connect with the client, that's where they're going to have their understanding and why you're asking them to do what they're doing. Um, so, yeah. So true. No one... And I always think this about educators as well. The point of being an educator is to help someone feel excited and empowered and actually use the knowledge that they have. If you've educated them at this really high level, that's great. They can maybe have a talk to a plastic surgeon, but it doesn't actually help them talk to their clients. So even in all of my courses, I like to make the complicated things easy to understand because then people will actually use them which is the whole point so yeah. well, you could walk away from an, a class where an educator is speaking so high above that you come out more confused yes. or less confident than the morning you walked in and and then all of a sudden you shy away from that treatment or that modality um a million percent um so important and i just love the way you do it Lee. and thank you for all that you bring to our industry and uh, all that you've definitely brought to to myself as well. You've yeah. taught me a lot of things. It's been very well. great working alongside you as well. Oh. <laughs> um, we also know, we just quickly touched on LED. Um, back when I first brought an LED machine into my clinic, which was almost 17 years ago, when people thought waving coloured light over the skin was ridiculous. I was included um, in that. I was like, what is this? <laughs> everyone's like, coloured light. Where I studied it and studied it and I just went, we are human beings, there is photosynthesis, when light is absorbed, cell has an interaction and will pass on parcels of information or energy. So I jumped on LED 17 years ago and was blessed enough to um, start with Max, uh, Max 7 back then, LED. Um, um, fast forward four years and became the distributor of Max uh, 7 that then moved into Max Plus. Um, we're near infrared, uh, 633 nanometer, 830 near infrared came into play. Um, now everybody's wanting to have LED because mm. 17, fast forward 17 years and everyone's realizing I oh really, gosh, it's really, amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> LED is phenomenal. Um, so I am absolutely blessed to be the distributor of Max or Max's godmother here in Australia, New Zealand and when and if you can afford to bring this into your clinical treatments like a needling device look into the wavelengths don't look into what colors your machine gives you look into the epic um, the results talk to other clinicians about their devices um, about the manufacture process don't just buy what's cheap because they can be colored light bulbs um, LEDs with indicated lights basically um, used on your clock radios. The yes, indicated lights may be just as, doing just as well to stand under the yeah. lights sometimes. Yeah. Or your Christmas tree. I just say kick back under your Christmas tree and if you've got all colours, you'll be lucky. That's what LEDs are. But when you've got a medical bin diode, you'll be looking for the right wavelength that will hit a peak every single time and have a, the, the cellular response, response you're looking for. And it's an, it's an investment, you know, a good LED is at least what's well, around the twenty thousand dollar mark and you you know you need to invest in that because it is a big part of your business yeah um yeah so i think like look into it and don't go with the 
And if you have to wait, like I, I always say to people, look, you like the reason I have my <laughs> foundation in that order, knowledge, skincare, needling, you can get started with that. Like LED, of course, it's fantastic to have there, but I would say it's better to wait like make your money first, buy a proper LED rather than buying something to just get by because then your clients won't trust it. They're not going to come back for it as regularly. It's a little bit of a, not a waste of time, but isn't, you know, it's a waste of time. <laughs> just buy a proper one when you're kidding. Yeah, and it shouldn't be causing heat because um, when you're under an LED, it's a cold light source. Yeah. So many things to look at there, but really important. And that's right. That's why it's fourth on your list. Um, it's going and it's not um, get your needling going first, that's for sure. We've talked about supplements uh, with fatty acids orally. Is there anything else you think orally should be added in before we undertake um, in clinic uh, needling courses? Um, just depending on your level of training, the only two oral supplements that I kind of cover off in my courses, because I feel like obviously we don't want to step into nutritionist naturopathy, um, areas as skin therapists. The other one that I talk about a little bit is zinc, um, and where to use zinc effectively as an internal supplement. There are some things to know about that. So just make sure you've um, done level two if you're thinking about dabbling in there. But I often use zinc um, to support an acne client and it can also be really good for skins that need help with healing. So people who are struggling with scarring um, and things like rosacea where there's kind of inflammation present, zinc can be really helpful as well. But there are some things to know about using it as an internal supplement as well. So um, it's just important to understand those things before you start. But aside from that, I mean, of course, internal supplements can be a game changer, but I also feel that it's important to leave most of your supplements to people who are really qualified in those areas. So I think it's just about knowing when to refer on or when to bring somebody else in to support your clients. So um, what I generally teach is that if you're working with a rosacea client, they always should be supported by someone who can work with their internal health because there's always a connection to their gut health. Um, the other one that I really think that's important for are your, as we call them in our industry, which is not always correct, but hormonal pigments. So your melasma and your chlasma, I won't treat that until the internal side of it has been taken control of, because until you've got it stabilized, there's just such a high chance you're going to make it worse or not get anywhere, which both are unacceptable in my vision. So I feel like, um, yeah, the more you know about those conditions, it can be so much easier to understand what your scope is and where you're an expert and where you can bring someone else in who can get results even quicker by supporting your client internally as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, just coupling up with a very uh, an amazing naturopathist, uh, working together and the results will only and, and just don't start prescribing yourself and sending people yeah, off to because look there's lots of things out there that you can prescribe for sure but if you haven't got that level of knowledge and I don't think anything should be prescribed until you've actually done tests to work out what's going on and I think most good naturopaths work that way now as well it used to be <laughs> a bit different with a lot of naturopaths you'd go there and you'd walk out with 15 bottles of things and you'd hope that one of them <laughs> 
worked well. Um, now a lot of naturopaths that I work alongside, they don't prescribe anything until they've got blood tests and hormonal tests and things because then they actually know this is what you need, this is going to work. So, um, and, you know, as beauty therapists, we don't have access to those tests or we don't understand them even if the client has had them. So it's just about understanding, like, for a skin therapist, your power is in working with the skin and knowing which products to prescribe and knowing how to perform the best treatment every single time and knowing, okay, this skin condition of pretty much always has an internal component. Let me get some support for my client um, for that aspect of it as well. And they just work alongside you, yeah. And as we know, not all EFAs like skincare are created equal, so you can buy things that you think is a great brand um, but would probably be not what you'd be prescribing as a naturopath. Um, yeah, so it's a minefield. Um, again, and the yeah, dosages, we've done it. you know, like EFAs, so many clients say, yeah, yeah, I take fish oils and they're taking 150 mg a day, which the minimum is 3,000 for them to have any effect in their skin. So, um, yeah, so much to learn there. <laughs> Well, Leah, it is has been a, a pleasure again uh, touching base, chatting with you and speaking to you on um, collagen induction therapy uh, and skin needling. Now, to finish up, we know you've got some fabulous, well, I mean, fabulous is not even the word, amazing um, education that's you offer our industry. Uh, one of them is skin needling because you are a guru um, at um, Skin Education International. Can you tell us a little bit more about the where to go and um, what we're going to learn from you by sitting online yeah, and, sure. and being part of your class. Cool. So all of the needling classes are available online um, now with the world being the way it is um, <laughs> and multiple other reasons, I guess. So the needling course that I offer has two courses within it. There's a theory component, which is about seven hours of really exciting in-depth understanding that will have you finally understanding everything you need to know about needling. And then we go through the online practical components which is really high quality video footage of me performing all of the treatments on all of the different skin types so that you can see exactly what it should look like for rosacea, for acne, for pigment, for anti-aging, etc. So it's all there. Um, you get a brilliant workbook as well, which has just got all of the information in it. So that becomes, everyone says it's like their Bible. They just hold on to it for years and years and years and keep referring back to it, which is great. Um, and yeah, you can purchase all of them just at skineducationinternational.com just on the store tab, or there is a skin needling um, page as well that you can go to for more information. And everyone's always welcome to email or call me if you have any questions. I'm just at Leah, which is L-I-A at skineducationinternational.com. Um, and my phone number's on the website too, if you need that. Oh, thank you, Leah. Um, like like always, I'm sure our listeners are so grateful for your expertise, as am I, um, within our industry and to the you know to the broader public, because anyone could be listening to this podcast to get ideas on what they should be doing with their skin. Um, thank you for sharing your views with us um, on collagen induction therapy and different devices and safety and and everything that we've touched base on. Um, I hope people will jump on and check out Leah's courses on skin needling and much more within her um, business and. Um, enjoy some time one-on-one -on -one with Leah online um now 
you can also find links to skin clinics offering um, with dermavigils in conjunction with Exceed uh, Microneedling um, on our website and, of course, on our uh, socials and many more places to find your clinics where you can have Exceed Medical Microneedling treatments. Thanks for tuning in to the Business of Skin. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to follow uh, and stay in the loop with our future episodes. Leah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me.